This week's guest is an exciting one for me. Eric Hinman is here. He is a five-time Ironman CrossFit endurance athlete and two-time two-time Kona Ironman athlete, as well as quite the entrepreneur from what I can see on everything on social media to marketing. I'm really excited to have you here. Thanks so much for your time, dude. Hi, Kelsey. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You are a wild one. Um, came up in my sphere of influence, if you will, recently, as I got to know HVMN's uh, Michael Brandt a little more. And he said, you know, you got to talk to this guy. He's nuts. He's wild. Like you see his Instagram, it'll blow your mind. But then when you actually get to know the the guy behind, you know, the social media posts and the drive, he's he's a wild human. So I wanted to have you on because, well, there's a multitude of reasons. But let's just start with how the hell does somebody go from being like, I kind of stopped working out, not really doing much, to just absolutely crushing in this space in the in the time frame that you did. Yeah, I mean, it's honestly been about a 15-year journey to get to where I am now in this current chapter I'm living. So um, it dates back to getting pretty out of shape in my early 20s. Um, I was partying a lot, drinking alcohol, um, you know, just chasing what I thought the public perception of happiness and success was. So, you know, work your ass off, make a bunch of money, um, get the nice car, the nice house and nice clothes and nice watch and party on the weekends. That's how you meet people. And it wasn't until my mid twenties that, you know, I kind of realized that I didn't feel all that great anymore and certainly didn't look great. I weighed a little over 200 pounds and, you know, had a little gut and I played three sports in high school. So I had always been athletic and I you know, lifted weights in college. So I hired a personal trainer in my mid twenties to get me back into aesthetically good looking shape and then started running again. And during that time period, a bunch of my friends were buying these fancy bikes that had four handlebars on them. And I was really curious <laughs> what the hell they were. And I wanted one of those bikes. So I bought one and uh, that kind of uh, set me up to sign up for my first triathlon sprint distance. Had never swam before, you know, had the running background from running cross country and running track in high school. Had never biked before, but biking came pretty naturally from the, the CrossFit type workouts I was doing with my personal trainer um, for two years. And triathlon ultimately changed my life. It, it made me realize that exercise, eating healthy, getting enough sleep, it's so much more than a physical aesthetic that you get from it. It's really the, the mental clarity, the emotional well-being, the unlimited energy, having a full cup so you can give back. And that was really what I learned during that time period. And I also had a lot of time alone outside with my heart rate elevated with the long running and biking. Um, I ended up building up to a full Ironman and getting to the world championships in Kona twice. And just having that much time alone with your endorphins racing, you know, it was almost like a psychedelic experience that I just saw this. Uh, I, I saw how I wanted my life to be. And I realized that I hadn't been living life the way I should have been prior to that that, you know, I was the best version of myself because of exercise, not by building businesses, not by making more money, not by being competitive against others. Um, it was really soul fulfilling to exercise and to better myself through exercise and healthy eating and, and sleep. And, you know, that's the chapter of life I'm, I'm living now. It stems from those Ironman years where many of my routines are built around health and wellness protocols to just fuel unlimited energy and, and mental clarity and, and well-being. 
there's that you, you covered all the things all in one sentence for me there that you just went from point A to Z for me. Okay. I got to pull all of that back. Cause there's so many things I want to touch on there. Okay. Okay. Why did you decide endurance athlete? Like, why did you decide, did you, did you have anxiety? Did something stem where you felt like you needed to constantly be working something out? Like, cause that doesn't just happen. Somebody doesn't just go from zero to 60 like that, unless they're working through something. So there's gotta be more to that. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't go from zero to 60. It was definitely a progression. It started with the personal training and then it moved on from the personal training to running again and then biking casually and then a sprint distance triathlon year one and an Olympic distance triathlon year two. And it wasn't until really year three into the sport that I did a half Ironman and then ultimately a, a full Ironman. So yeah, it wasn't one of those where, you know, I just like ripped a bandaid off and started living this new life. It was a progression. And through that progression, a lot of things also changed. My friend group changed and, you know, staying out late changed. And, you know, my whole environment started to, to change to, to be based around health and wellness. And for me, it was more about like, what am I capable of? I, I hadn't really ever achieved at a high level prior to Ironman. And, you know, as I got deeper into the sport, you know, I, I started to realize that anyone can achieve incredible levels of success if they put blinders on they you know limit distractions and focus on one thing at a time and you know you can be great at something and i think that's what i was chasing is just like how far can i take this how fast can i go how long can i go and so it wasn't really running from anything but i did have this deep deep um passion for you know proving to myself that i could be a fast ironman athlete and that i could achieve at a high level in something it's just a wild sport to pick. It's uh, it's an interesting, like really, really intense, like throw it all out there and you can't rely on anybody else but yourself. And I think that's why it's such a, like an amazing thing to tackle. I, I resonate so much with a lot of the way that you speak about going into these, these disciplines. I've started to do this and you're right. It sounds really silly, but those bikes are so fucking cool looking that yeah. I even was like, Hey, I I'm, I want to be able to have a bike like that. And when you do, and you finally start to participate in things and activities along the lines of, like you said, your friend group changes. And the reason I wanted you to kind of pull that apart more was because so many people nowadays are trying really, really hard to hope. Well, in the, the group that I see, so many people are genuinely trying to better their lives in some really authentic, pure way. And there are ways to do this and make steps forward in continued progression in people's lives. But often, hey humans, this episode of the Brass and Unity podcast is sponsored by Cured Nutrition. I want to talk to you guys about sleep. We all know that sleep is one of the most important tools when getting your life together and optimizing your wellness and general well-being. Cured Sleep Bundle, which combines their best-selling Zen and most potent CBN, is the answer to guaranteeing that you'll get a full night of sleep every single night. Zen is a blend of functional mushrooms, adaptogens, and full-spectrum cannabinoids. The CBN extract is a lesser-known cannabinoid found in the hemp plant, but these supplements were designed to support the two most critical stages of your body's natural sleep cycle, REM sleep and non-REM, deep sleep. Cured's raw CBN oil contains 30 milligrams of CBD and 5 milligrams of CBN. Together, the CBD and CBN create a synergistic whole-body effect, when it kicks in, you'll notice every inch of your body soften into a deeper state of relaxation, as if you're laying beneath the comfort of a weighted blanket. 
Once you're asleep, Zen is there to ensure that your body is successfully cycling out of non-REM, deep sleep, into REM, and back again. Some people can't fall asleep, others can't stay asleep, and then those that just fall asleep, stay asleep, but struggle to spend enough time in each sleep stage. No matter what is keeping you from your true rest and restoration, the sleep bundle is your solution. Think of it as the one-two punch for the body and brain reset. So I've been struggling with sleep for a little while now, dealing with TBI and other ailments, but I'm telling you right now, this stuff is legit. It gets me to sleep. It keeps me asleep and I don't wake up feeling groggy. I don't have any of the side effects that any other type of medication or CBD product that sometimes happen. Um, I've also been able to focus a lot more on what my body needs because I'm able to get into a deeper sleep. This stuff is amazing, guys, and I want you to go give it a shot. Cured is giving all of our listeners 20% off. So you can go and grab it at curednutrition.com slash brass and check out. That's right. Cured Nutrition. C-U-R-E-D nutrition.com slash brass and get an extra 20% off. Improve your sleep. It'll improve your life. The biggest thing I hear is they're just not sure how to even be like to start, how to change, how to make that, you know, big decision. And it seems like as much as it wasn't zero to 60, you've made such a big progression in like in a rapid period of time. So it's what, like, how does somebody begin that transition? Yeah. I mean, starting is definitely the hardest part. And, you know, that was certainly tough for me during that time when, you know, I found myself out of shape and it's like, where do, where do I start now? You know, I've put on 20, 25 pounds from drinking alcohol and sitting. And, um, for me, it was, it was finding someone who I was accountable to and finding someone who could provide me with the structure and knowledge I needed to get back into shape. So I always encourage people to find, you know, a personal trainer, if, if getting it back into shape is, is a goal. And I really believe that exercise is at the top of the food chain. It was for me where, you know, once you get moving again, lifting, lifting weights and doing some anaerobic conditioning, some aerobic conditioning, a lot of these other things are going to fall into place. It's very likely that you're going to start sleeping better. It's very likely you're going to make better decisions around nutrition. It's very likely that your friend group is going to change and people are going to be asking you to go on bike rides and runs instead of going out to late night parties. And so exercise was the top of the food chain for me. So, you know, find a personal trainer, find someone that is going to give you the structure, discipline, motivation, and knowledge to, um, to understand what, how to move and how to move well. And what, you know, how to get the most bang for your buck too, because, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can exercise and burn calories and there's more efficient ways than others. And and for me, I found that personal trainer that was making me lift heavy weights while my heart rate was elevated. It was doing CrossFit before CrossFit was really a thing. And I got a lot of bang for my buck in those 45 minute training sessions with him at 6am before I was going to, to my workplace. That's it's interesting too, because the, the pace at what you output, like your, your daily output is really, really intense. I've been following you for a little while now. I wanted to give that a hot minute so I could figure out a little bit of who I thought you might be before I even had a conversation with you, because there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different things going on in your world. So to see how you time manage with your wife and your scheduling, I think is really unique and really important. And I'd love if you could touch on kind of how that came about, because as you change your life and as you want to improve your life and have new people around you, that also changes your needs. And that can also be where you live. And I think those are conversations people need to be acceptable and okay in having, because 
your surroundings matter so much, but I think we've forgotten a little bit about how important that really is in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I got to a place of being super overwhelmed when I was training for Ironman and I was running a software business. I had an insurance business that was somewhat on autopilot. I was starting up a gym. I was wearing all of these different hats and, you know, training during that time period was certainly prioritized, but at the same time, you know, I had payroll and I also had to make money for, for myself to pay my mortgage and car payments and all of that. So um, I had to balance some things that forced me to live a very, very structured life. And, you know, I, I live that to this day. But during that time period, it was waking up at 5 a.m. on the bike by 5.30 or out for a run by 5.30 in the morning, 90-minute to two-hour workout in the morning, um, going into the office for my software company at 8.30, um, lunch, swimming, biking, running, CrossFit, some kind of hour workout, and then out at 5 p.m. and then another workout after 5 p.m., and you know, I just had to cut out a lot of the other options I had in my life during that time period. I wasn't traveling that much anymore. Um, I was just, everything was very contained. It was just rinse and repeat, but there was also like variety within that. And a lot of people question me on this like strict structure and I'm like, well, it is structured, but I also have variety within that structure. There's different people in the mix, a different podcast, different conversations with people. I'm meeting new people all the time. You know, my mountain bike rides, I'm going to different places. The workouts every day are varied. So there's variety within the structure, but I do stick to a certain structure every day. And now that structure looks like um, prioritizing exercise and then setting up cognitive tasks immediately after exercise. Um, that's how that's how I function best. So I'm in the gym by eight or eight thirty every day. Typically do about a two hour CrossFit training session in the morning, and then I block off from ten thirty until about one for calls with brands, content creation, podcasts, any kind of cognitive tasks. And then I have another exercise block in the afternoon, generally aerobic training outside in the sunlight. Um, I always pick skill-based activities with some risk associated over non-skill-based activities with no risk because I feel like they teach your mind to be present. When you're mountain biking, you have to be present. It's dangerous. There's skill involved. And it teaches my mind to be present, which I really feel like is a superpower in today's day and age with all of these <laughs> options and distractions that we have. Um, so I'm off in the in the mountains, um, mountain biking, trail running, hiking, rucking for about an hour or an hour and a half in the afternoon. And then I have another block of work from about three until five every day, similar to the first block where it's podcasts, brand meetings, content creation. And then every day from five until seven, um, we have our sauna on, we have multiple cold plunges, and we have a rotation of um, current friends and new people coming to the house to sauna and, and cold plunge with us. Um, and that's kind of like community bonding time. I feel like we're tribal in nature and, you know, we all want deep connections with others. And I've found that contrast therapy is where I can form the deepest bonds with people. Um, you're captive in this hot sauna, you know, overcoming this insane heat, your endorphins are racing, you're super vulnerable, your mind is clear. I have the best conversations in, in a sauna no distractions. Your phone is going to overheat in three minutes if, if you have it in there with you. 
So yeah, that's that's my community bonding time, but also I'm obviously getting physical recovery and stress resilience and building my immune system. So there's all of these incredible benefits happening, you know, just from that two hour session. And then afterwards, a bunch of people generally stay here and we smoke meat on our on our smoker and have dinner with friends and then hit the hay around nine, nine thirty, up again the next day around six thirty or seven and do it all over again. The life of somebody with no children. My God. No children. Yeah, Whoa. just one, just a dog. <laughs> that that's that's an inch. It's an inch. No, it's it's such a fascinating th uh, thing of the way that you run your life. And the reason I want to pull it apart is because there's so many people making excuses uh, about time management and their ability. Not I can't go do this. I can't go do that. I can't go do this. And I think it's it, it drives me a little nuts. And I wanted to illustrate how many different things that you're doing within a day that are not only benefiting you but benefiting other people. Right. Mm -hmm. um, there's something that I do in my, in my work and in my show and in my business. And I think it's the most important thing is I make time to do important things like community bonding and making efforts for that. And I think that you're doing it in a really, really cool way where you're giving people, like you said, they're more vulnerable. They're more willing to talk to you. I've done this where I go to a, an endurance event and I podcast from there after we do a run or we, after we do a mm -hmm. part of this, you're getting people at a different point where mm -hmm. you've just gone through something with them. They're more likely to be open with you, but it's so great to hear you're doing it because people benefit so much from it. And there's mm -hmm. such a lack of it in society. There's such a lack of community and such a lack of conversation, even difficult conversation that wouldn't normally be had. How mm -hmm. has that been for you? being on the other end of building all of these communities. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of emotions attached. So how has that been for you as a leader in this space? I mean, I, I love adding value and I feel like that's some of the biggest value I can add, especially in meeting a new person, like having them come here and, you know, experience the setup that we have at the house, experience in contrast, therapy for the first time, meeting some of my friends and, you know, hearing how my friends structure their lives and, yeah, I mean, people people leave with just this incredible feeling. They sleep well afterwards, and you know, I, I hope that many of them end up, you know, employing this as a as a routine because, again, there's just so many more benefits that come from it beyond just like the physical recovery benefit of getting in cold water, getting in a in a hot sauna. All of a sudden, it becomes this this tribal community bonding gathering place which I mean, that ultimately provides so much happiness for us. We, we want to be around people that like us and we want to be giving value and getting value. It's just ingrained in us. And the sauna is a great place for that. I mean, it's completely, and we're talking 15 years, you know, since I've really drank, but it has completely replaced any urge I would ever have to go to a bar to do that. And I feel like the conversations I have in a sauna are better than I would have ever had drinking alcohol, you know, out at a bar and you feel great the next day you sleep well and you feel amazing. So yeah, I mean, I've, I've posted this several times, but I'm like, I really want a sauna on every street corner in, in America. <laughs> Just like there's a bar or a cafe on every street corner in a major city. Like, let's get a sauna on every single street corner to encourage all of the benefits that, that you get from it that go beyond, again, just the physical benefit. I know it sounds silly, but it's kind of brilliant at the same time. And you could back that if somebody backed that financially, I, that would be a really interesting human experiment to kind of tour with and really like that would be fascinating from a study perspective. 
Yeah. And I mean, Finland is consistently ranked as the happiest country in the world. And there's mm -hmm. about one sauna for every person in Finland. And in Finland, they don't, I mean, they now I'm sure know about the benefit, the physical benefits of it, but historically it was their bonding place. It's where they discussed family matters and where they discussed important political matters. It was in a sauna and that's why it became so community driven there. It's really, uh, it's a beautiful thing when you connect physically and psychologically in struggle. And it's, I do this with my husband. We go stand in the ocean. It's because it's mm. cold where we live. It's super cold. But that's where we go and have like hard discussions. <laughs> we'll go stand mm -hmm. in the ocean and, and have harder discussions. And I don't know why, but for whatever reason, it's a clearer thought process. It's just easier. It, it flows. Um, take that for whatever you will. But I've also seen you uh, do a lot of different things too. So you mountain bike. I want to talk about that because that's a space that I love and love to hate and it hurts my body, but it's still <laughs> fantastic. So how did you get into mountain biking? You weren't really into that initially when you were younger, right? I wasn't, no. Um, I had a mountain bike for a very brief stint in upstate New York, which is where I'm from, but you know, didn't have great trails there. So maybe had it for three months and then got the road bike and then the triathlon bike. Um, my first trip to Colorado back in 2017, I met the founder of a of a CrossFit gym. His name is Park. And uh, I rented a mountain bike. He took me out mountain biking and in Lyons, Colorado. And I just fell in love with it. I'm like, oh, my God, this is way more fun than road biking or anything I've done in the past. Um, so, you know, kind of from that instance on, it was etched in my memory of, I have to get a mountain bike if, and when I move out to Colorado, subsequently I moved out to Colorado and within a year of being here, I bought a mountain bike and, um, I just got obsessed with it because, uh, it's another one of those things where there's compounding benefits. You obviously get the, the aerobic benefits of it. It's naturally anaerobic too, because you're oftentimes in Colorado climbing steep inclines. So it forces you into an anaerobic zone, which, you know, sometimes is tough to go anaerobic if you're just running on pavement or riding on the road, like you really have to push it uh, physically and mentally. Um, and then there's that skill-based component and the risk-based component that produce a flow state like no other. Um, why I like CrossFit as well. Um, I've just found that like I'm so present when I do those activities when there's skill involved and there's risk involved. And that carries over to other aspects in life. After a mountain bike ride, you know, I'm super present with my girlfriend. I'm super present if, you know, I'm talking to others and, yeah, that's that's kind of what a lot of this stuff is I'm doing it for is just for presence to teach my mind to be completely present and to be completely in the moment with whatever I'm doing, because I think that's real happiness when you're not anxious, when you're not thinking about the past or the future, you're just completely in the moment living life. Yeah, there's something to be said about really having to hurt yourself a little bit uh, to to get to that state. I can understand it and I can appreciate it. It's very difficult for a lot of people to wrap their brains around doing some of the things that you do at the pace that you do them. But it, when you look at it scientifically and you pull it apart, you can see why you're doing certain activities prior to other activities. There's a, there's a cognitive benefit. And I want to talk about that because that's a space I'm starting to learn to understand after traumatic brain injury situations mm -hmm. that we're, we've had in the family and mm -hmm. start to really pull apart how you work on these things. And there's so many aspects of our conversation that, work really well with this TBI related. So do you feel comfortable going with there? 100%. Okay, perfect. Great. Let's, let's dive into that, please. 
Yeah. So I actually had a friend, uh, Dave Mira, who was an X Games athlete yes. um, who, who committed suicide. He was one of my closest friends. I got him into Ironman triathlon back in 2010. He had a condo next to mine in, in Syracuse. That's how I met him. And uh, we became really, really good friends. And obviously he fell a lot, hit his head a lot. And, you know, it led to CTE, which is, I think, something that we're still studying um, and it seems like there is a lot of science coming out now around creatine, around exercise, around cold exposure, around sauna. You know, there's obviously a number of other things, but, you know, those are the things in my world that um, I'm seeing as, as benefiting any kind of neurological issues. Um, the founder of Momentus just spoke at a summit that I was at the last two weekends ago, and he was he he was a football player, played NFL football, and he was talking about all of his concussions that he had, and that creatine is a staple in his supplement routine. Really, uh, be because of all of the neurological studies that are coming out around creatine. So, you know, I think that's a super beneficial supplement for men and women that goes beyond just the you know I want to get stronger, I want to build more muscle mass that creatine is, has historically been associated with. Yeah. That's not one I would have thought that I haven't heard that one. I know, um, my husband was a super cross racer. So he yeah. recently went through the, the, the drop and we had to deal with the whole TBI situation. It was a perfectly fine to an absolute like death drop, everything. It was mm -hmm. horrible. And we just went through this process of, going through uh, brain treatment itself and things like RTMS and hormones and blood work and all of that, that you have to almost self-teach nowadays. It's not being taught. Like this isn't a normal conversation that would happen between a doctor and a patient. Very often you have to seek out this information on your own. And it's, it's a frustrating point, but I do see the tide turning when others are talking about it. When when Dave Mira passed away and you're starting to see the amount of veterans we have, me being a veteran myself, we have 44 a day right now. And so we're seeing TBIs go undiagnosed, like, mm -hmm. like it's going out of business. How do you start when it comes to working on, you know, your body and your brain? Like, what are the steps that somebody could take from maybe a nutrition level? or a mm -hmm. vitamin supplement level that you would recommend? Because I know you're really big in the space and I know you understand a lot, a lot of these more than I do. So I'd love to hear about that. Hey humans, I know you've all been seeing me drink HVMN's Ketone IQ lately. This is a game changer, jet fuel in a bottle. I use Ketone IQ for everything in my life, whether it's running, cycling, podcasting, or just the extra boost that my brain needs. I won't lie, it helps push me to the next level in all things. I love Ketone IQ and what HVMN stands for. Go grab some shots today at HVMN.com and use the code BRASS20 and save. Yeah. So I, again, I, I mean, I think movement is medicine. That's the moniker that I really live by. I think that is the foundation um, for mental and emotional well-being. So, you know, get movement into your routine, whether it starts with, you know, walking, jogging, hiking, and then, you know, ultimately leads to strength training and anaerobic conditioning. But I think that's probably where you're going to get the most bang for your buck with any kind of traumatic brain injury. Um, and then second to that, obviously eating a healthy diet, I think is super, super important. Eggs, omega-3s, um, supplementing with fish oils, uh, omega-3s, creatine. You know, I, I do upwards of 10 grams a day um, 
before and after my workout, five grams before, five grams after. So, you know, check, you know, studies based on your body weight of how much creatine you should take, but that's for men and women. You know, it's, I think, again, dating back years and years, I think it was looked at as something that bodybuilders would take just to gain muscle mass. But all of these studies around the neurological benefits are, are coming out. Um, ashwagandha adaptogens, those are things that I really like. Um, they help manage cortisol levels. So I'm obviously training super high volume, probably, you know, it could be argued that it's an unhealthy amount of training volume that I'm training at. So cortisol sometimes can get high because of the stress I'm putting on my body from all of these activities. So ashwagandha is something that can help regulate cortisol, um, specifically taking it in the afternoon, about 600 milligrams. Um, <clears throat> And then getting enough sleep. I mean, that's massive. I take a supplement called Beam Dream um, that has helped me for three years, ever since they launched the product, uh, get really, really restful sleep. So, you know, I try to get at least eight hours every night, two to three hours of that being deep sleep. And um, sleep is really important to me. And some of the things I do to set myself up for a good night's sleep are um, avoiding highly stimulating environments late at night, which I know a lot of younger people aren't going to want to hear, but you know, <laughs> avoiding, avoiding concerts, avoiding, you know, bars, avoiding bright lights and highly stimulating environments late in the evening. Um, that's just a recipe to, to crush your, your sleep. Um, Sarah and I sleep in a super cool environment. We set the temperature to 63 degrees in our bedroom. Um, if you're, yeah, if your significant other doesn't like it that cold, I'm fortunate that she doesn't mind it. Um, get something like a chili pad or eight sleep mattress, something that has uh, a cooling technology in it. So, you know, if, if one person wants to be colder than the other, they can do that. Um, I wear earplugs every single night and have for 12 plus years. I like just controlling all of the environments that I can. Um, if I'm traveling, I bring a sleep mask with me so I can control whether light is coming into my eyes late in the evening. Um, a teaspoon of honey has worked tremendously well for me. Just a little bit of honey um, helps with glycogen because sometimes if your glycogen is too low when you go to sleep, that's when your mind will start racing throughout the night. So, you know, that's commonly been my problem of, yeah. you know, like a go, go, go day. And I'm still, my mind's still racing when I go to bed and honey has been able to really just stop my mind from working. So I don't wake up at three in the morning with 15 ideas that I feel like I have to go and tackle immediately. Um, so that's a, that's a tip, but the highly stimulating environments is the biggest one that, you know, I try to avoid it at all costs. And if I do have to go to a late night party or, you know, entertain or be super on late at night, you know, I generally know that is going to affect my sleep. And I make sure that I plan at least a few days after that to not have anything late in the evening. So I can get back into a good sleeping pattern because sleep's all about your, your pattern. If you get into a shitty sleep pattern, pattern, that's your new normal. Um, and it's so hard to get back to good sleep if you're on a shitty sleep pattern. That's fascinating. The honey thing. That's a wild one because that that's a huge issue. I know for me, that's always been an issue. It just starts running no matter what. And I can get to about three. And I know that's a huge issue for a lot of people. Uh, sleep is something that is so, I think it's starting to be talked about at the level it should, but it still seems like for some reason it's being like neglected pretty highly. I mean, obviously screens being one of the, the worst things. I, I see that you wear the orange we wear so after tbi treatment now we wear the orange glasses and that's yep. super sexy we're sexy in bed our my husband yeah. and i 
and <laughs> yeah, they're so uh, goofy looking. oh my god they're the greatest but they work those being one thing you know just the sleep hygiene in general just not being on your phone like an hour before bed all of these things are really fantastic but caffeine people they really 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 have a hard time with caffeine i notice in america in canada that is like people's whole systems are being run on caffeine recently mm. did a a trip to peru and there was an individual in my group and he had to wean off of caffeine and he was drinking a pot of a full wow. pot a day, every wow. day. Wow. And couldn't understand why sleep was a fat, like a, a problem. And I don't think people fully understand how easily sleep can be disrupted by mm -hmm. screens, by, by caffeine. Was this something that you learned on your own when it comes to all of this? Is this all learned behavior? Like, on your own or did you go to school to understand all of this a little more? Yeah. I mean, I went to school for business management, so I learned nothing of what I do now <laughs> in school other than maybe some people skills and time management skills, but definitely nothing that I read in college is aiding in, in my life now. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, it was, it was, it was really like just each year tackling something new, you know, spending one year and making deep sleep habitual and trying a bunch of different things to figure out what worked best for me. And, you know, purposeful training was one year, nutrition was one year, recovery was one year, yoga was one year. And, you know, it's just habit stacking. You know, it, once you get it on autopilot, move on to the next wellness protocol. And again, you know, this is dating back 15 years for me of, of doing this. So, you know, Instagram is a great place to get inspired, but, you know, you don't know someone's backstory of how long they've been doing what they've been doing to get to where they are. So I think it's important to, you know, focus on one thing each year and one chapter at a time. And again, going back to exercise, I think that is the where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. And then a lot of these others just kind of naturally, naturally fall into place. And with respect to caffeine, um, I do an espresso every morning. I do think caffeine is an incredible way to, um, to have good cognitive function and also perform well physically. But in the afternoon, you have HVMN sitting on your desk right yeah. there. I'll, I'll do something like that that is a non-caffeine-based cognitive tool. And ketones are fuel for your mind. So typically in my afternoons, if I if I want to be laser focused, I'll have you know one of those small HVMN bottles and also like late night activities, I, I I very rarely drink. I might have a glass of wine every two years if I'm in Napa Valley or something <laughs> like that. Um, so I was at a party in Malibu with Michael, the founder of HVMN, and he was serving Olipop with HVMN shots. Right. And, you know, that, that was enough for me to create this state change where I kind of felt like I was in the flow with everyone and I was super present. And so there, there's some hacks of things that you can do if you don't want to drink, but you still want to do things late at night and kind of feel like you're on a level playing field with everyone else. Nootropics are another great tool that you can use where, you know, it, it's still going to affect your sleep if you're in a highly stimulating environment, but at least you're not going to wake up with all of that inflammation from alcohol. It's, I, I'm really glad that you brought that up because it's something that I, I don't often podcast in afternoons. I find for me, I, that's where I'll fatigue just from brain, it, you know, my own sure. brain issues, but that's the stuff I use ketones. Mm -hmm. It's, mm -hmm. it's wild. I found out about them through uh, chase tuning and mm -hmm. uh, I did his show and he's like, Hey, I think there's somebody you might need to know. And so I was talking with him. And so we started using the ketones to manage because on long distance runs and long bike rides and anything I do, that's extended amount of output. I'll have a blood sugar drop, like mm -hmm. a violent one. 
that ketone IQ, I don't have them with that. My, mm -hmm. I can keep going on a different level and my blood sugar and everything stays perfect. It's mm -hmm. the only thing that I found that makes a difference so much so that even my husband is using it for his TBI. So I text Michael all the time and I'm like, remembered something on a show today. High five. <laughs> That's awesome. That's, it works. It works. That stuff works. Yeah, it's, a great product. it's, it's, it's wild because it, it seems so simple yeah, it's such a complex, it's such a complex product that does such mm -hmm. a impactful change to the brain. Um, so I, I love them for that, but I'm glad that you brought them up. I want to talk a little bit about Ironmans with you, because obviously this is something, if you're comfortable, obviously I want to go here. I want to understand this a little more. I want to break down of this because this is a space I'm trying to get into and starting to do. So I want to understand because you said that swimming for you is not your strong suit. And when I heard you mm -hmm. talk about your first experience, I died laughing because it was the same mm -hmm. story I could tell. Like the swim was horrible. I passed people on the bike. I passed people on the run, but I got to mm -hmm. get that figured out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Swimming was the hardest part for me because I had no background in, in swimming. I grew up in Lake Ontario. So, you know, I could swim with my head out of the water, but you know, no competitive swimming uh, backgrounds. And for me, the pull buoy helped a ton using, um, it, it's a buoy that goes in between your legs that helps you float so that you start to feel the proper body position in the water. And then you can get the breathing down if you're not focused on kicking your legs to stay afloat. Um, and then once you get the breathing down and you know the pull buoy, you understand the proper body position in the water, then you can start focusing on pull strength and kick strength and some of the other drills. But for me, it was doing a lot of short sets with those tools um, so, you know, hundreds, fifties, two hundreds kind of max with a pull buoy early on. It's not about going out there and swimming a mile and seeing if you can swim a mile because everyone starts to lose their technique, um, swimming long distances. And you want to train your body to be in the proper position as much as possible. So when you get out there for a long distance swim, your body kind of knows where to be in the water. You have the breathing down and, you know, it's just executing. Um, and then like swimming with others around you, that's a whole nother skill yes. set to have, um, which I honestly never got, you know, great at, um, because there's a big drafting advantage. If you can get right behind someone swimming in open water where you're catching their slipstream and you don't have to work nearly as hard as they're working kind of like on a bike with the Peloton. Um, and then you also like, you have no awareness in, in the water, like you would running or biking. Like you don't know when someone's going to hit you in the head with their hand or kicking the face of their foot. So um, I just got to a point where I kind of thought of it like boxing, where it's just kind of a contact sport. And that's part of it. Like you're going to get hit here and there. And the more you do it, the more comfortable you get when, you know, someone hits your head and you take in a bunch of water and start coughing it up. So, you know, get out there and swim in open water as often as you can, just to try and recreate something that could happen in a race. Um but yeah, as far as swimming in the pool, that's where I did 80% of my training, 85% of my training. It was using a pull buoy and just breaking it down into smaller sets to start to protect or to, to start to um, get the correct form in the water because swimming is so technique based. It's really not a ton about fitness to some degree it is, but more so like how efficient are you in the water? What's your body position in the water? Um, those are the big keys with becoming a good swimmer. So get a pole buoy and use that. That's interesting. Cause, uh, the getting kicked in the face is a real thing. That is immediate. I immediately got kicked in the face and didn't know what to do with it. 
Yeah. Such an odd experience swimming in a group like that uh, with people because you can feel people's intensity too. It's like mm -hmm. when you put when you put nature and intense human beings together like that, it's such a wild experience. And I, and I encourage people go out and challenge themselves when it comes to these things and really compete. I think competition as you get older, like I don't know about you because you were you were a bit of an athlete when you were a kid. So you understand that like how important competition is when it comes to building a mind of an individual. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to, I'd love to get into a little bit of that. And like, if you, how you think that was beneficial for you, because it seems like people down the road who have had more experience as an athlete, as children seem to thrive differently in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, early on, it was definitely competing against others, wanting to win. You know, if I lost a basketball game, I was upset. And through triathlon, early in triathlon, it was it was definitely about beating others. And later years in triathlon, it became more about just better than yesterday. Like, I want to be the best version of myself. I'm going out there and I'm just competing against myself. And I'm 42. I mean, as I've aged, you know, I can't go out there and win anymore. So it's really just like, how, what is the furthest I can push myself? Am I happy with my performance? Am I happy with my training? So it's really become just competing against myself. But I think team sports early on gave me that competitive nature. And then it was later where I realized like, I didn't really care as much about beating others. I cared more about just wanting to perform to the best of my ability and also, you know, putting in enough work so that when I do show up to some kind of competition that, you know, I know that I put in the work to be able to perform on, on that day and race day is just a cater training day. Um, just let it shine. It's no different than the others might be going at a little bit higher intensity, but um, you know, I, I think a lot of us put too much emphasis on, on a competition day when it's really just like, if you did the training, like it's just a day to show up and perform. Yeah. You just, it's about showing up every day though. That's the thing that's yeah, where that's people, the hard part. that's the hard part. That's where people fall off. We do this. Uh, we do this in our, in our mental health Monday group. We do these challenges right every month, whether it's just like small things each month, like we're going to drink two liters of water this day. We're going to do breath work each day. We're going to read 10 page of a book each day, just real mm -hmm. simple habit stacking. And I seem people, they get, they almost get to that two week mark where they're mm -hmm. doing it consistently but that's when the drop happens. But mm -hmm. that, if you can keep going in anything, in sport, in your health, in your mind, whatever you're working on, you can really go far with it. So I understand when you say like, as long as I show up, then it's worth, you know, it's worth, it doesn't matter if I win. It's as long as I'm happy with my result. Mm -hmm. um, and it seems like triathlons, that's a, I hear that more than I hear others being like, I want to win. I don't know if it's because it's such an intense individual thing that you're going through because it's not just physical. It's very psychological. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Very psychological. And I mean, what triathlon taught me is <clears throat> the best at the world at anything. They just think about one thing at a time. You know, they're, everything is focused on that one thing. You know, I saw that with Dave where, you know, everything was focused on triathlon from him and you could backtrack and see why he became so successful as a, a BMX rider and so successful as the rally car driver. Cause that's all he thought about. Everything was based around that. So, I mean, right now I'm, I'm training for CrossFit and like, I'm not playing pickleball. I'm not playing tennis. I'm not even really going for runs or hikes or rucks or any of that right now, because I'm solely focused on getting to the CrossFit games. And I know what that entails. 
and it means cutting a lot, uh, cutting out a lot of other things that I do enjoy, but probably are not going to get me towards that goal line of getting to the CrossFit Games. It means doing multiple strength training workouts a day because that's my weakness, and doing more anaerobic conditioning and less aerobic conditioning. So, you know, I, I think we have so many options and so much inspiration out there that it's often easy to get sidetracked and not just do everything in our power to focus on that one goal that we have for that time period and realize that life is chapters. You know, you're going to have lots of other chapters to build your business and have your family. And, you know, if you focus on one chapter at a time, that's the best way to achieve in anything. Oh, my God, I love the shit out of that. Sorry. That's such a fantastic just sentence. I think so many people don't hear that. If you just, it's chapters. This is like, this thing is a marathon. You can't, you can't do it all. And I, well, and the reason I'm so happy when I hear you say that is because so many people put an emphasis that if it doesn't happen this year, right now in this moment, or even next year, or even the year after it's never going to happen. And the anxieties that people live in and the space that people live in because of that mindset, and if they could just see it more as this is chapters, mm -hmm. the amount of anxiety that could go down and people could actually hyper-focus and maybe achieve what they really are trying to achieve. Definitely. I just, God damn it, I loved that. Sorry, that made me so happy. Um, <laughs> have you been to the CrossFit Games before? No, I haven't. Okay. And when are you attempting? When, when I don't understand, I don't know the full circuit of that. Yeah, so I'm an age group, so it would be 40 to 44 age group, and it starts with the CrossFit Open, which happened about a month and a half ago. Um, with the CrossFit Open, they release one workout every week for three weeks, and you have about three or four days to do that workout and submit it to an online leaderboard. And then the top 10% of each age group advance to quarterfinals, and then quarterfinals were just this past weekend. They release five workouts and you have a two day, three day period to get all of those workouts submitted. Um, and then the top 30 from quarterfinals advance to semifinals, which is the end of April, and then 10 advance from semifinals to the CrossFit Games. And the semifinals are the same there. It's an online leaderboard with age group where you're doing the workouts at your home gym, you video them, you have a judge and you submit it so they can review it. And then the CrossFit Games is in August, and that's a four or five day um, competition of workouts every day. Oh, okay. That's uh, a lot more intense than I think I realized, or maybe others will realize, because I understood what it takes to get there. I had a girlfriend attempted at one point, and we've been lucky enough to have a couple people on from the CrossFit Games on the show before. So I'm, I'm starting to understand it. But when you hear it broken down like that about how much work it is just to even get to that point to, to even try and compete. I mean, that's no wonder it takes a hundred percent. That's, that's what it takes to get there. Damn. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. And I mean, it's just, it's really advanced as a sport. Um, you know, the guys now, like they're dedicating their lives to, to getting there. It's, you know, yeah. kind of like basketball or baseball or football where, yeah, I mean, it requires just dedicated effort to, to get there. There's so many people that want to get there. I think 350,000 people did the open this year. And yeah, I mean, for me, it took four, four or five years, four years to get to Kona. And I mean, I've been doing CrossFit workouts since, 2010, 2011, you know, really focusing on the sport since 2017. So, you know, I'm six years in and just now kind of making my first run at it. So it's, it's taken longer to be able to get really good at CrossFit than it did to get really good at Ironman. Wow. That, well, I mean, it's 
something about the weight. It's just different. It, it's just a different technique. The techniques are wild. I watched yeah, some massive. of these. Oh yeah. And I watched some of these women do it. And there's just, uh, like, listen, I know I'm a strong human being, but then I see some of those women and then I go, Oh, that's cute. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. I'll just sit down. It's perfectly fine with me, but no, I'm, uh, I'm so glad I got the chance to have this conversation with you because I'm, I think it's so important when people are speaking openly about the amount of dedication it takes to do these things. And that this is not an overnight success. So many things that people do that they become really, really good at and are really known for, for a, they're known for a reason because there has been mountains of work that go well before you see that person's name or face anywhere. Um, and I think social media does a, a bit of a disservice with that because it's really difficult. You know, it's a, it's a highlight reel and we sure. post what we, um, what we want others to see to some mm -hmm. degree, obviously to some degree, but it's, it's, I think it's important to, uh, always highlight that, like, get that as a, a highlight reel. Like it took you a hot minute to become, you know, who you really are right now. And that's important to remember when people are setting out goals, you know, you have to have it stacked. There's ways to do this successfully. It is possible to do it successfully and it can be done, but, it's very often not shown the back end. So I appreciate your willingness to kind of be as open and honest as you are about that. You mentioned that kind of, uh, you, you said a word at the beginning of this, and I, I don't think you meant it intended the way I'm going to bring it up it in, uh, bring it up in, but uh, psychedelics. I mm -hmm. want to uh, talk to you about psychedelics because I want to understand if they're a part of your life because I just feel like they would be. Mm -hmm. They're really not. No, I have a lot really? of friends. I have a lot of friends that, you know, love marijuana. I'm in Denver, Colorado. So obviously it's a, it's a very open place to do that, but yeah, never really entered, entered my life. I've dabbled a little bit with like the Paul Stamets stack mm -hmm. of like a very low dose of psilocybin, lion's mane and niacin as just like a, a pre-workout um, nootropic type feeling. But outside of that, I've never done, you know, ayahuasca journey or any of these other things. Cause again, I really feel like I got um, I got this deep mental clarity from those Ironman years of extreme exercise where, I mean, I went to a place mentally that I had never been before that I don't even know about. And, you know, I think that through breath work or extreme exercise, like I do think there are ways to get there without using psychedelics and I'm not knocking psychedelics. I think they're a no, super no, no, powerful no, no. tool for people, but yeah, it's just not something I have, I have dabbled in, but hearing stories from others, um, that have, you know, I, I just kind of associate that with, yeah, I, I kind of felt that same way during those Ironman years with some of my crazy long training sessions where, you know, my blood sugar was dropping and I was probably in ketosis. <clears throat> yeah. So that's right there. Why I wanted to bring them up. Cause I knew that you had done them only a on like a very micro level, but mm -hmm. I wanted others to hear you say <laughs> that you can get it through exercise too. If mm -hmm. you don't have to use something, I mean, they're incredibly beneficial on a lot of different levels for a lot of different reasons. But if you really, really are adverse to using them, which there are people out there, but you want to get to that state, breath work, physical exercise, these things are tools at your disposal that you can use. And I like hearing people speak about it in that way, because it's not spoken about very often that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agree. Oh, I love that. Yay. Oh my gosh. So fantastic. Can you uh, tell me a little bit though, more about your cold, hot routine? Because it seems to be a huge, huge part of your day. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's been cool to see the hockey stick growth of sauna and cold exposure. I mean, if right? you look at Google Trends, I mean, it's it's like that. And, you know, I feel like every podcast you listen to now, someone's talking about cold exposure. Um, for me, it, it dates back to 2000, 2012, where I was using infrared sauna to acclimate to the hot, humid conditions at, at Kona. Um, you know, I was using it for heat acclimation. I didn't know all of these other benefits around it. And, you know, I soon realized like, wow, this is similar to a post-workout high after doing an infrared sauna session. Um, and, you know, obviously physically I felt good too. I could go in feeling really sore and achy and come out feeling like loose and mobile. So I'm like, there's something to this. So I stuck with the infrared sauna sessions from 2012 until 2017. And then when I moved to Denver, Colorado, um, I was asking people here where I could find an infrared sauna and uh, the CrossFit gym I was training at the owner there told me Denver sports recovery was where I should go. So I, I went there within two days of moving to Denver and they had an infrared sauna. They got to about 160 and then they had a hot tub and a cold plunge. And the typical protocol there was 50 minutes in the infrared sauna and then three rounds of five minutes in the cold plunge, five minutes in the hot tub. And the cold plunge was about 52 degrees, um, which at the time felt like really cold and, and really stupid that I was getting in water that cold. <laughs> But like, I mean, the the impacts of doing that routine far surpassed just sitting in, in the sauna. Um, all of a sudden, I had this um, stress resilience that had been built up. You know, it took something monumental now to stress me out. I wasn't anxious. I was super present. And I attribute all of that to that contrast therapy routine. And, you know, then I started getting invited to going to friends barrel saunas and doing a, a traditional ice bath where the water's like 35. And I'm like, oh my God, this is even more powerful. I love this. It's, <laughs> it's kind of like Ironman and kind of like CrossFit where, you know, once you adapt to a certain level, you have to take it to another level to get that same feeling again. So, you know, now my typical routine is we have a, a barrel sauna in our backyard, a Sisu sauna. We have two ice barrels and I do three rounds, 20 minutes at about 200 degrees in the sauna, and then three to five minutes in the ice barrel at about 40 degrees. Um, and I mean, day in and day out, feel great, even training high volume. Um, the stress resilience I've built up from doing it has been absolutely incredible. I never get sick. So robust immune system. Um, and then again, the community aspect of it, like this is when someone reaches out to me and proposes a lunch meeting or coffee meeting, I'm like 5 p.m., pick a day, come and yeah. sauna. This is where we can meet and chat. <laughs> it's almost like... Uh it's almost like a little mafia it's turned into. I see this everywhere. It's amazing. They're like, no, we're meeting here. We do things here. We all do this together now. And I love seeing the community that it's building. It's so fantastic. And it's so useful. I don't think I can go on Instagram at all during a day now and not see at least one of the people I know <laughs> doing one aspect of this and talking yeah. about it in some way, which is so great because it's becoming, it's becoming known. And any mm -hmm. tool that is becoming known, that's not a pill. I am super here to support. And I yeah. think it's, I think it's what needs to be uh, promoted. So I'm glad that you're doing that. Thank yeah. you so much. Um, because a lot of the things that you're saying. And brought to you by Daisy May Hat Co. The custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one of a kind hats from wide brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are hundred percent beaver felt. And it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order.
go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever, live the dream. People are trying to articulate, but you seem to do it in a way where you put your money where your mouth is. And so when people like you talk this way about mental health and ways to do it that aren't just pills and aren't just more supplements, but there's real ways to like better your life. Um, I always appreciate people's time when it comes to honesty. So thank you for that. Where can people follow you, find out about what you're doing and, and really learn from you? Yeah, best place is Instagram, just my name. Um, through there, you can find various community events that I'm hosting. We do a community ruck and community cold plunge every month in, in Denver free. Um, and then host community workouts, usually traveling around to different cities and putting on workouts or sweat crawls, which is doing a workout at one gym, running <laughs> to another establishment, doing another workout there, and usually a cold plunge at the end. So um, yeah, through that, through Instagram, you can click through and find any events that are coming up. Oh, of course you would be doing that. I, how did I miss that? That's fantastic. Awesome. Well, we'll put everything. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm t- t- listen, I got plenty of people. I'm pretty sure my, my new sponsor cured is out your way too. So I will, uh, I'll make the trek. I'll come, I'll come do one for sure, but okay. um, we'll put, we'll put everything in the show notes. Thank you so much, my friend. You stick with me. Everyone else. We'll see y'all next week. Mm-hmm.